before we start the show, I wanted to let you know about a limited opportunity. The doors are open to our online community. Where we're helping clinicians get confidence and success when dealing with the complexity of pain we see in practice. We have Brownie Thompson, Mike Stewart, and myself helping clinicians get the training they need to get comfortable managing pain well. You get live events, workshops, peer support, and direct feedback on your practice and your unique struggles. You can visit the community on your computer or on the go on your smartphone. The doors are closing on May 8th, so make sure you check out modernpainpro.com for all the details and to start transforming your practice today. Changing the story around pain. This is the Modern Pain Podcast, helping to improve the understanding and treatment of pain across the world through education, advice from experts in the field, personal stories from those living well with pain, and more. A modern approach to pain treatment, management, and education, while helping to bring the patient voice back to healthcare. This is the Modern Pain Podcast. Here's your host, Dr. Mark Cardula. What is going on, everybody? This is Mark Cardula, lead faculty and founder here at Modern Pain Care, back at you for another episode of the Modern Pain Podcast, doing it by video again, which may be good, may be a bad thing, depending. It's, you can see I've, there's been some changes in my appearance since last you see me. I'm sure Jared will give me some hard times about it when we introduce him, but um, good to be back. And we got an episode this week, which I think you guys will enjoy because um, it's, it's good to reflect on not always just the, the hero ball that we all see on social media of all the amazing things that we're doing clinically, but we also make mistakes. I, I know I do. And Jared's got a good uh, situation that he's going to be able to share with you guys that I think you're going to glean some good, um, some good things from. So before we get into that uh, story, let's just see how Jared's doing. How you doing, Jared? Man, I'm doing good. I am not going to give you a hard time about growing in the beard. Uh, you know, we're we're slowly emerging into the same person. You're growing the beard out. I'm losing the hair on top. So pretty soon, pretty soon, I'm going to shave it, and we're just going to be rocking the uh, new age bearded Mister Clean look. <laughs> Yes. Yes. The new age, Mr. Clean. Um, so let's, I'm not even going to go with the beard because it's, it's actually, you know, the, the salt and pepperness of it that you guys are probably seeing uh, on YouTube. And if you're not, if you're watching on YouTube or if you don't watch on YouTube and you'd like to see what we're talking about, we'd love a little like and subscribe there on the, on the YouTube channel that will, that'll, that'll help the channel and help us uh, get a little bit more reach on to hopefully help some more folks with it clinically and also folks in pain. So if you can do that, would be greatly appreciated. But anyway, uh, Jared, you pay, apparently make mistakes uh, clinically. I didn't know this until you just told me. No, I, I kid, of course. But why don't you lay the groundwork for folks? I think it's a, a good situation as far as a good learning experience. Uh, and one that I think, as you mentioned to me, as you were talking to me about it, that sometimes clinicians are surprised, especially younger clinicians. There's just like, I need to be perfect. I can't make any mistakes. I can't appear to be a human in front of my patients. I need to be appear to be this amazingly infallible perfect clinician where I think your ability to, to be humble in front of your patient really, I think garnered, if anything, better therapeutic alliance and rapport with the patient. But, uh, as opposed to me rambling about that, why don't you share the story with folks? Yeah. So here's a story, um, that I thought would be good to share because I was definitely wrong. Uh, so a few weeks back, I had a patient come in to see me, uh, was referred over by a local primary care doctor who I uh, have a good relationship with. And, you know, I, I had all the positives going for me. The patient came in expecting uh, a really good outcome. The primary care said, hey, this is the guy that you have to see in town. He's the best PT in town. Like you're going to be in good hands. He's going to take care of you. Uh, so this person comes in. And they report a history of right-sided low back pain that radiates down the lateral leg and into the knee. Um, 
and they say that it's not bothering them today. You know, it's one of those days where they wake up, they come into their their PT evaluation and she says, I feel great. This is the best day that I've had in weeks. And of course, I'm here to see you. But this is this is the history of what I have. You know, I have this on and off back pain that I've had through the years. Um, you know, my last big flare up was a few a couple of years ago and it's flared up just the same. And in the past, I have a history of a herniated disc and she actually had a grade two spondylolisthesis. Um, but she said that was old and, it, you know, they weren't sure if it was causing any problems. Um, so we start going through our initial, you know, evaluation and she doesn't really report any history of, you know, tingling or numbness or burning type pain, but she's got this radiating pain down her leg into her knee. Uh, so I go through a full repeated motions exam, can't really elicit any pain at all. Uh, I go through, you know, some, some overpressure provocative testing and some PAs on, on the lumbar spine can't really reproduce her pain in any way, uh, go through the slump and straight leg raise test. And she's like maybe a little tiny bit positive on the right side. It's not clear. It's not definitive. It doesn't shoot pain down her leg, but um, maybe a little bit of reduced excursion and a little bit of increased tightness on, on that right leg. But nothing we do really elicits her pain at all. And, um, she tells me that she's got a history of her pain kind of being worse after she sits for a long time or after maybe she goes up a flight of stairs and like when she's pressing down on that right leg, it just doesn't feel as good. And maybe sometimes after that, it'll radiate down her leg a little bit. So I start thinking, well, she's got this history of, uh, of a disc issue. She's got a history of telling me she has some ridiculous symptoms, um, even though she doesn't have any symptoms right now. It, it's not flared up. Her, her slump and her straight leg raise are maybe just a little bit different on that right side. She tells me that prolonged sitting brings on her, her symptoms. So I think to myself, well, this is probably a case of maybe a little bit of neural irritation that's low irritability that, that comes on with lumbar flexion or it's a flexion intolerant type of uh, presentation, but she's just having a good day right now. And uh, she's also got like a, a, a mild mild scoliotic presentation. And I don't know if that's a long-term, you know, structural presentation or if that's short-term adaptive because she doesn't, she doesn't know if she has any history of that. I just kind of note it. I, I note it in the chart and I start thinking, well, you know, maybe let's work on a little bit of gentle lumbar extension. Let's get some prone on elbows because she said that prolonged sitting causes her a problem. Let's get a little bit of a gentle, you know, uh, side glide or lateral shift type correction exercise going uh, at the wall, you know, super gentle, nothing aggressive. And then let's do some side steps with a band because she also had really um, notable reduced strength in her hip abductors. And she mentioned that that's something that she had worked on in the past with PT that was helpful for her was to work on hip strengthening. So I give her these three exercises and I'm thinking, okay, this will be good. She's probably going to be going in the right direction. She follows up with me a week later and she is not happy. Her symptoms are flared up super bad. She said, I don't know what we did last time. I don't know what you gave me, but my symptoms just went went on max. I've been hurting ever since. I stopped doing the exercises that you gave me because I felt like they were making things worse. Uh, and, you know, of course, my stomach drops at this point because I'm thinking, all right, you know, like we're, we're going to do positive. We're gonna, like we're, this lady's going to be feeling better. I'm, I'm about to increase the intensity of her exercise today and just boom, totally throws me off. 
And the only silver lining to that was that she had symptoms when she showed back up. So I could get a better idea of the symptom presentation. So what I say is, hey, like, if it's okay with you now that you have symptoms, can we go back through some of that testing that we did last week? Um, Because I might be able to get a better, better understanding, a better idea. So I retest her slump. I retest her straight leg raise. Nothing really elicits it. I go back through a little bit of repeated motions testing of the lumbar spine. Nothing really makes it better. Nothing really makes it worse. But she's got this deep radiating aching pain um, coming out of the right side of her low back pain radiating down to her knee. And then I realize because... I didn't think that it was a problem at all. I didn't think that it would be a potential, you know, uh, no susceptive cause based on her history and stuff that she told me on the first visit. I realized I never tested uh, anything with her SI joint. I didn't do any pain provocation testing of her SI joint. So I lay her down. I do a Gainsland's test on both sides. Boom, positive. Recreates her pain exactly, makes stuff worse. I do a thigh thrust test. It's extremely positive, like lights are up, says that's my exact pain. That's what hurts. Like you're, you're hitting the nail on the head now. Uh, do a little bit of a sacral thrust. She's like, yeah, that doesn't feel good. It definitely radiates into my right hip a little bit when you do that, that sacral thrust. So she's coming up and she's like, just boom, straight away. She is positive for, you know, the SI joint cluster with every single test I do. And I can't elicit anything with repeated motions. And it doesn't seem like when her symptoms are flared up, anything changes with her straight leg raise or slump. So all of a sudden I'm like, crap, like I missed one of, you know, the things that we're taught all the time. I missed one of the most commonly discussed conditions, probably one of the most overdiagnosed conditions in PT is SI joint dysfunction or SI joint irritation, because I was blinded by all these other things that I was looking for. And my lack of belief that SI joint is as common as, you know, a lot of other people believe. So I just kind of glossed right over it. Um, so after I go through this testing, you know, the patient we're in that we're in the gym and I'm kind of sitting in the corner and she's facing me. So there's just wall behind me, but I can see the rest of the gym and I can see the cl- the other clinicians in, 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 in the, <clears throat> in the clinic and both they're kind of, they're on lunch or maybe they don't have a patient right now. So you, we had a student, another PT and a tech all standing there kind of watching me go through this reevaluation. And I looked at the patient straight in her eye and I said, Hey, Miss Smith, like, I'm sorry. I was totally wrong. I missed what was going on with you. You know, you came in without symptoms and yeah, I, I told you that we were going to pick a direction and go and I felt pretty confident in it. But I was completely wrong. I think that you have SI joint irritation going on now. I, I don't think that the nerve issue that we talked about is your, your, your primary issue or even an issue at all. And I can see that now with these tests. And this is why I think that, um, you know, I'm just I'm really sorry that I made your symptoms worse for a week. But I'm really glad that you were willing to come back in and, and tell me this so we could work through it and actually get on a better path. And over the patient's shoulder, I can see the other clinicians and the, and the, the student just kind of look like I, I I can't believe I can't believe he just said that. Like their eyes raised up and they're like kind of stopped. It was one of those moments like where the 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 needle comes off of the record, you know, and it's like <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so we get done and I, I, I redirect 
some different exercises to take out, you know, the extensions and that sort of thing. We start working on some a, a little bit more gentle exercises on the table because she's flared up and, you know, we, we get her going on a better path. She feels better. And then afterwards, I walk over to those those three other people, the tech, the student and the PT. And I was like, man, I, I noticed you guys kind of kind of look a little bit funny when I was talking to that patient. And the therapist said, well, Jared, A, I've never, I've never seen you miss. I've never seen you be wrong, which in one hand that made me feel good. It was like, well, at least, you know, it seems like I'm doing the right thing most of the time. And then the student said, I can't believe you told the patient you were wrong. I can't believe you, you apologized. I can't believe you admitted that you were completely off. I was like, well, well, yeah, I, I was wrong. And I wanted her to know that. And I wanted to be honest with her and, and let her know that we're probably going to be going on a better direction now uh, because at least we can see the symptoms and we had better testing today. We had a better idea of what was going on. And when you try to backtrack or when you try to act like, um, you know, you try to manipulate what you said in the past to make it sound like you're right now. Patients can tell that. And, you know, that's not going to build honesty and trust between us. That's not going to make her feel confident that I am trying to do the best that I can. And it just also shows that, you know, the medical field isn't perfect, but we're working really hard to try to help people out. Uh, so that just really stood out to me that the patient was super happy and excited that I had come back and even done another evaluation on her. And she said, hey, I, I'm not worried about last week. Like I, I was happy last week because you did this really thorough evaluation on me. And I'm even happier that you've come back now when my symptoms are here and done an, another thorough evaluation on me. You've looked at me closer than anybody has ever looked at me. Like I feel confident if anybody knows what's going on with me, it's you because you've tested me when I don't have symptoms. You've tested me when I do have symptoms. You've been willing to you know, look at different options. And she was excited. She's like, all right, like that, that week sucked, but we're on the right path now. Um, and then, you know, we we're going to move forward having a, a better relationship after that. So it stood out to me for that reason. And it stood out to me that, you know, the student in particular, but I know plenty of other people like this are uh, they think that we're going to lose patients if we admit we were wrong. But if you really listen to patients, a lot of times they have a problem with medical providers that they have interacted with that feel like they always have to be right no matter what and, and you know, don't believe the patient or whatever it is. So those things stood out to me and I felt like it was worth talking about. Um, number one, to say that I still do screw up, you know, no matter what social media looks like or no matter what anybody thinks about me or says about me, like I still screw up in clinic. And this was a prime example of that. And uh, also to open the floor for discussion on just, you know, that 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 honesty between patients and having having some humility because you're not going to get it right all the time. Yeah, I think there's just this fragile and I know I had it, too. And I, I, I just as you were talking about that story, I'm thinking back, would I ever and have I ever and I think I have is to where it just you get to that defense mechanism and it becomes like you did something wrong. Couldn't have been me where you try to concoct a story in your mind. Oh, they're noncompliant. They weren't doing their exercises correctly or something just because there is that kind of imposter syndrome that I think we roll with. Just, I mean, honestly, I think it just peaks up throughout our career. Some, we get faced with cases that, I mean, not as maybe this one as much as far as because you thought you knew what was going on. And I definitely have had similar experiences where, but sometimes we don't know what's going on and it can, can kind of be destabilizing and be able to navigate that and have, you know, good communication in the presence of uncertainty. There were some, I think, 
you had a false sense of certainty there, which again is, you know, we talk about like an anchoring bias or anchoring heuristic that you use to kind of anchor it on the low back based on a lot of the information. It kind of caused that anchoring caused you to fail to consider alternative hypotheses of the SI joint. And, um, you know, those are, you know, clinical reasoning errors that are, that happen. But I think, um, you owning it, especially owning it to the patient too, because I think you, you come back, I, I guarantee you I've done this in the past where it, it becomes this blow to your clinical ego of like, oh my God, I'm not, I'm, I am an imposter. So I'm going to push this back at you patient. Somehow I'm going to, you know, concoct this story and, and again, patients smell bullshit too. And as far as like, you know, how are you going to put this on me? You know, I did exactly what you told me and, and, and this thing blew up type thing. Um, where being humble, being human, have humility in front of your patients and being willing not to be right. I think there are a lot of patients who come in with these healthcare ex- experiences that you mentioned that they didn't have anybody listening. And uh, sometimes uh, they were laughed at. I just had a patient this week said they were laughed at with their fibromyalgia and <laughs> different things. So there's a litany of things that happen in healthcare that I think it's a refreshing experience for a lot of patients to have somebody just be real with them of like, yeah, I screwed up. You know, I was wrong. And, you know, we're going to get this thing right. We we did some things today that I think really got us now on the right track. I'm sorry that we had to go through that week of, of crap to get here, but we're going to get you on the right track. And I think um, being able to look somebody in the eye and, and just own that, I think I have yet to see a patient um, really react poorly to that, like where they were like, I'm out of here, man, not coming back for visit two or, or three. Um, because you're, you're a hack. Um, so yeah, no, I think props to you for, for owning that, but it's, it's interesting the peanut gallery you had with you to, to see kind of their, their reactions to it. I mean, what's been your experience maybe as yourself as a student, um, some of those insecurities and how they may affect your, um, you know, clinical practice in that situation, maybe in the past, or maybe what you've seen, um, with, with students as well. Uh, I'm curious what your thoughts are there, Jared. Yeah, I think I think probably the two two most common responses that I've seen are one to blame the patient. Right. They did something wrong. They didn't do their exercises right. They didn't do their exercises enough. They did their exercises too much. They did that other stuff outside of their exercises that you told them not to do or whatever it was. Right. (laughs) So you go for four weeks, five weeks blaming the patient that they're doing something wrong and either you lose that patient or you finally realize, oh, shit, I, I kind of was wrong and maybe I need to pivot a little bit now. Or the second response is to um, kind of confabulate a story to say, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, like um, this is totally normal. And now I just need to come up with these other exercises that you also need to do that are different because this is also your problem. And instead of just saying, Hey, you know what? I went the wrong direction. Um, in, in this case, you didn't have a lot of symptoms the first day. It was kind of hard for me to figure out exactly what was going on. Um, and I chose the wrong path and you, your symptoms have proved that we're going to redirect. And I'm sorry about that, but let's go this direction. So I think that, like I said, most often blame the patient. Second, most option uh, often confabulate a story. And, uh, both of those are things to protect your own ego. Yeah. I, and, and, you know, thinking back and, you know, I'm fortunate I get to, to work with uh, 
DPT students who are going through programs and just seeing kind of that, that anxiety and, and, and you know, a little bit of fear of like, oh my God, I don't think I know what I, you know, you go into clinic, especially when you're in the midst of your program and doing clinicals. And we have an integrated clinical experience at Midwestern where they're in the clinic. And it's, it's, it's interesting to see, cause I reflect back to my, my days where I'm like, I don't know anything. And you kind of feel like a deer in headlights and you're afraid to be wrong because it's just kind of, you, you take it as this personal slight and a confirmation that you don't belong in this profession. And hopefully what you've heard today for, for those of you who are in that early career stage, or maybe you're a DPT student, recognize that you're going to be wrong throughout your career. And the, the if you can get good at being wrong in front of a patient, as far as communicating that, not sacrificing, not like self-deprecating yourself to sacrifice you know, you're standing in front of the patient. You don't want to say, I'm an idiot. I'm a terrible clinician. Not that hopefully anybody would say that, but, um, you know, but it's okay to say you're wrong and Hey, we're on the wrong track and, and be able to have those tough conversations when you are wrong and, and have that humility to, to be wrong in front of a patient. And, uh, again, I think you'll be very surprised of the outcome of those conversations. Like, uh, the folks that were watching Jared were, um, um, when he was humble in front of his patient. But uh, I honestly, I, I think back and would I have been open to that conversation early in my career. I may not have been, I don't think I was. Um, I was very insecure as a clinician early on. Um, I got angry at things that didn't fit my worldview. And I definitely probably blamed a lot of patients for errors that were on my end, just because I was too afraid to be wrong and, and didn't want to, you know, think that I wasn't, didn't belong or had this imposter syndrome, like I had said. So I think we've anything else you think we need to talk about, Jared, we're, we're kind of at that mark, but I wanted to see if you want anything to add. No, I mean, it would be that at this point in my career, and say, hey, you know, a lot of people respond to treatment approaches slightly different. And you're an individual person whose symptoms might be slightly different than the next person. So we're going to try some things. And I think this is the right direction, but it's also a little bit of an experiment. We're going to have to find the right dose, the right direction, the right duration, and et cetera, for you. And that's why I need you to kind of maybe come back and give me feedback because your feedback helps me, you know, guide your plan. And it gets them actively engaged in the plan. And it also leaves the door open for you to say, yeah, you know, like that wasn't the doser direction or duration or intensity for you right now. We, we talked about how it might not be for you right now. And we're going to adjust from there. And that helps us anchor, right? You, 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 we do anchoring and exercise when you find out how many reps you can do something or what a certain RPE level is or whatever. We anchor that, but we, we can also anchor you know, based on symptom response to certain interventions. And we find out what a person's ceiling is. We find out what a person's floor is. But if you let people know, let people into your thought process and uh, pull back the curtain and reveal that it's not an exact science that we're doing, um, I think you, you build a little bit more team effort in the rehab process with your patients. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, having a little bit of, of course, you, those of you listen, know I do a little MDT, but a lot of that is, you know, when you do directional preference exercise or any of that stuff, you say, hey, you know, this is what I'm looking for. These are appropriate responses. If you feel this, let us know. You know, the good news is as we see how your body responds to these exercises, we're going to have different paths. We go with these with your with your treatment going forward. You know, if things start to get cranky, obviously stop. Let me know. And that gives us some good information. That's where I try to paint those flare ups 
in a positive light as much as you can say, hey, I'm so sorry that you went through that flare up. Good news is it gives us some really good information of what not to do and what things might be going on um, be due to this flare. So, um, uh, you know, unfortunate that it had to happen. But, and, you know, and my apologies for creating, uh, you know, a week of not fun for you. But I think we got some good information to go forward with that's going to get us back on the right track. And uh, again, I think the more you can get good at those type of conversations, um, uh, the more success you're going to have in the clinic, the more you're going to have patients that are going to ride out some flares with you. Um, because they trust you and you and your honesty with them can go a long way. Huge, huge stuff. All right. Well, uh, if you guys uh, enjoyed the podcast, like I said, uh, we'd love to, you know, subscribe on the old iTunes and, and leave comments or a review on iTunes. That would also help us just to kind of push us up the old podcast meter. But um, also, if you guys have had any of uh, these experiences yourself, I'd like I'd love to hear, um, you know, some of that stuff. Or if you've been wrong in the clinic and really struggled with some of these things, hopefully it's been some of us are honest and, and own up to that stuff because it happens. It's a normal part of the clinic. But I think it's helpful for folks watching, you know, or checking it out on Instagram feeds and Facebook feeds that, hey, how many of us have faced similar situations? Um, because I think sometimes, especially early in your career, you feel like you're the only person that's ever wrong and you're you don't belong. And like I said, the imposter syndrome just can be a real, real weight on our shoulders. So, um, yeah. So hopefully we'll see you guys on social media, commenting on the post. Hopefully you enjoyed today's episode and until next time, we'll see you next week. This has been another episode of the modern pain podcast with Dr. Mark Karchula. Join us next time as we continue our journey to help change the story around pain. For more information on the show, visit modernpaincare.com. Also visit the pain masterminds network on Facebook for free education and resources. This podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. Please consult a licensed professional for your specific medical needs. Changing the story around pain. This, is the Modern Pain Podcast.